0: So Luke 23:50 to verse 12 of chapter 24. Good news this morning. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. Uh, the women who had come with him from Galilee uh, followed and saw the tomb and how, how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Now let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the message of these words. And Lord, we are grateful for the message of your word as a whole that even though we fell away from you in our sin and rebellion and depravity, you did not leave us in that condition, but you sent the Redeemer, and he finished the work to save us, to make us yours, to give us the hope of eternal life, and now, Father, as we've read here, we see that the consummation The first fruits of the resurrection have already begun. Christ the Lord is risen from the dead, and we will follow him. So, Lord, help us this morning as we hear these words. May our hope rest in them and nothing in this world. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, every community has one. When we make our way around, we often will drive. Right by them, some of you maybe have even driven by one of them this morning on your way here. Uh, They are such a common sight to us that we barely even give them a second thought when we go by them anymore. I'm referring, of course, to cemeteries, plots of land set aside for the final resting place of the bodies of those who have gone the way of all the earth. Every community has one because, of course, every community needs one. We are all under the judgment of death, and so as the years go by, our cemeteries will just continue to add more and more burial plots as more and more people end up needing a grave. You all know where Stanton's Community Cemetery is located here, just on the north side of town, and and when I go for a run, uh, in the early mornings, I usually will run on the low road, uh, old Highway 8, um, out of Stanton, and so we'll run right by the cemetery, and I usually don't even think about it, but uh, one morning, uh, a few weeks back, when, I, when it was uh, much lighter in the mornings uh, then, uh, than it is now anyway, uh, I did think about it. For as I ran by the cemetery heading east, it was still dark, and I noticed some, some car lights come on at the top of the hill inside the cemetery. And I thought right away, huh, look, look. There's some life in the middle of the graveyard. But by the time that I had made my turn and was heading back towards Stanton, the, the, the sun was now starting to rise and its light uh, began to fall on the eastern edge of the cemetery. And as I got closer and closer, I could see the gravestones lit up by the sun, and I remembered my earlier thought about seeing you know, some life in the middle of the graveyard, and I realized that there will one day be a morning when the sun, that is the Son of God, will shine from the eastern sky, and that cemetery will be full of life as people buried there will rise from their graves, and that is what we believe. That is our hope. And the reason why it is our hope is because of what we just read in Luke's gospel. That will be quite a morning, one that Christians like us have been singing about for generations and confessing, as the Apostles' Creed puts it we believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Or as in our own statement of faith uh, puts it in Article 10 of the EFCA statement of faith, we believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world. That is our great hope. And and therefore, when a loved one dies, whom we know to be a believer, to be a brother or sister in Christ, we will grieve that loss, but we will not grieve as those who have no hope. For we have the hope of the resurrection. We know that they will live again. We know that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so will all those who die with faith in Christ be risen from their graves. Since our Lord and Savior overcame the grave, so will each of his people who have put their hope In Him and in His Word. So consider that this morning, brothers and sisters. Consider that the next time you find yourself in or near a graveyard. The resurrection is a reality. Our main theme from our passage this morning is that our hope in the Word of Jesus is sure and certain because of the resurrection of Christ because he has risen from the dead. So this text is uh, the beginning of, of Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but his focus here in these verses is much more so on the word of Jesus, on what he has said. In fact, we will see as we make our way through chapter 24 that this theme of the reliability and the certainty of the word of Christ will continue to be the primary focus of what we see in chapter 24. Luke knows that the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ risen from the dead will only be known and believed by people like you and me who hear about it through the written word. He knows that life will only come to those of us who who hear these words, who believe these words, who take these words seriously. But although our hope in the word of Christ is the focus, there are also two other significant observations that Luke is showing us here in this passage regarding our hope that I think we ought to pay attention to and learn from as well. So first, that first observation that we see here is courageous. uh, Courageous devotion to Jesus when it seems all hope is lost. Courageous devotion to Jesus when it seems all hope is lost. This is from verse 50 of chapter 23 through chapter 1 of 24. So in this scene that we're given here, as we, we begin this passage, Jesus is dead. Uh, he has given up his life on the cross. And so now his body would have, would have been hanging there, lifeless, on the cross so, what's going to happen to his body? Well, what would happen to his body? Well, there was no plan. The disciples did not have a plan as to, you know, who would take care of his body. Normally, the bodies of those crucified were, were just kind of thrown into some some mass grave for, for criminals and others who, who died without any family to care for. So now the disciples were all in hiding, except for a few women who were there observing, the crucifixion from afar, and, and they really couldn't do do much about this, um, although they, they probably wanted to care for his body. They had They had no tomb to lay his body in, so this was kind of a critical moment. And that is when Joseph of Arimathea comes into the story. This is a surprise. We have not met Joseph before. We don't have any record of him After this even, he's never mentioned in the book of Acts, but he plays a very significant role here. Luke tells us he was a member of the council, the same council that arrested Jesus, same council that put Jesus on trial in the middle of the night. You see, there are servants of Christ in unexpected places. There among those wicked and rebellious men on that council was Joseph, a good and righteous man, Luke tells us. The only other man to be described as good in the Gospel of Luke was Jesus. So this is remarkably high praise that Joseph receives. Now, I know I've heard some criticize Joseph you know, for being some secret disciple, not being willing you know, to stand up for Jesus when he had the opportunity, but that was not luke's opinion of him at all luke describes him again as a good and righteous man a man can't get much higher praise than that in the bible and he was looking for the kingdom of god luke tells us so if if joseph was looking for the kingdom of god then he was one who had put his hope in the promises of god to send the king to send the messiah And he had come to believe that Jesus was that Messiah. That Jesus was the Messiah that God sent. And so I'm sure he was expecting Jesus to bring in the kingdom. At least he was hoping that he would. That's what the disciples were hoping that Jesus would do as well. But now, Jesus was crucified. The one whom they believed would bring in the kingdom was dead. The great hope that Joseph and the disciples had in Jesus was lost. And they had to be devastated. Jesus had not turned out to be what they were expecting him to be. So what does a disciple of Jesus do when all hope seems lost? Well, this disciple did not let his disappointment with what had happened to Jesus keep him from continuing to show his love and his devotion to Jesus. Look at verses 52 through 54 again. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. Such care, such devotion, such such honor Joseph showed to Jesus by caring for his body, laying his body in a new tomb. Joseph was willing to be identified with Jesus by coming forward to Pilate to ask Pilate for the body of Jesus. Then he willingly did all that was necessary to care for the body and lay it in his own tomb which turns out was the perfect place for Jesus' body to be. For it was a tomb where no one had ever yet been laid. So when Sunday would come, the women could truthfully say to the disciples, the tomb is empty. No one could claim that another body in the same tomb was the body of Jesus, for his was the only body in that tomb. Joseph showed such love and devotion to the one whom he had set his hope in for the kingdom. He still trusted God's promises. All hope that Jesus would bring in the kingdom may have seemed lost to him at the moment, but it didn't keep him from showing his love and devotion to Christ. Luke tells us that there were others. There were others who had put their hope in Jesus who also continued to show their love and devotion to him even after he died. They were the women. The women who had followed Jesus to Jerusalem from Galilee, no doubt also expecting Jesus to bring in the kingdom in Jerusalem. Uh, Luke told us in verse 49 that they witnessed the crucifixion. They didn't leave Jesus but stayed with him through, um, uh, the, though they were, they were at a distance here, it says in verse 49, watching these things, they saw Joseph take his body down from the cross. Uh, they followed jo- Joseph and saw the tomb where Joseph had laid his body, even it says how his body was laid. They then determined to return to the tomb and uh, uh, gets a, uh, uh, bring some, some spices and, and anointments in order to care for the body of Christ. They knew that they wouldn't be able to do this until the first day of the week because the Sabbath day uh, was uh, the, 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 the next day here, which of course began at, at sunset, uh, so it was be out to, uh, about to, to begin for them. So they go home, prepare w- what they can before sunset, and then they rest on the Sabbath day. After resting, they rise up early on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, and they go to the tomb in order to care for the body of Jesus. And they continued to courageously show their love and their devotion to Jesus, even though it had all of a sudden become much more difficult for them to do so. And I would assume that a good number of you have experienced a time of loss in, in your life. Maybe something you were really counting on just, just fell apart. Maybe you had, had prayed and when we're begging the Lord to help you uh, to, to, to come through for you in this certain uh, situation, but it just didn't turn out the way you were hoping it would. It could be that, that you are in the middle of a time of loss and questioning, even right now. And it's in those times we just may not know what to think about Jesus. And Luke is showing us here two great examples of disciples who who continued to show their love and devotion to Jesus, even though things were certainly not going the way they had hoped they would. When those dark times come upon us, may we also follow their example. May we remain devoted to Christ and continue to, to, to look for the kingdom, even though it may seem like for the moment that all hope is lost. Next we see a a reliable witness to confirm our hope of the resurrection. A reliable witness to confirm our hope of the resurrection. This is throughout verses 1 through 12 of chapter 24. So out of their love for and devotion to Jesus, these women were planning to return to the tomb, in order to care for the body of Jesus, they had prepared some spices uh, which they would then pour over and around the body of, of Jesus to cover the odor that would have inevitably come from the decomposition uh, of the body of Christ. Uh, this was, of course, common practice at the time, but uh, there was quite a surprise waiting for them once they arrived at Jesus' tomb. We see that in verses 2 and 3. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So Luke points out that these women served quite a significant role here. For we see from verse 49 of of, uh, 23, then verse 55, and now in verses 2 through 9, that they were eyewitnesses to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to turn with me to, to 1 Corinthians in your Bibles. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, here the Apostle Paul is uh, summarizing the essential works of Christ predicted in the Scriptures, which resulted in our salvation. So these are, see, these are the essential statements a fact for the gospel of Jesus, for the good news of our salvation. Verse 1, uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. So it's a, a faith, it's a hope in the word of the gospel, unless you believe in vain. Now verse 3. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So there it is. Christ died on the cross, dying in our place for our sins. He was then buried in the tomb of Joseph, and he was raised on the third day. And these women, these women that Luke tells us about in his gospel, they were eyewitnesses of each of those things. Luke tells us they, they saw him take his last breaths on the cross. They followed Joseph when he brought Jesus' body to his tomb. They saw him lay the body of Christ in the tomb. They even saw where exactly his body was laid or laid in verse 55. And then they returned on the third day, were the first to see the empty tomb, and were told by the angel that Jesus had been raised from the dead. He was no longer dead, but was alive. The other gospel writers tell us that Jesus even appeared to Mary Magdalene, one of these women. They were the first witnesses to each of these major events that are the very center of the gospel. And Luke knows the importance of these women as the first witnesses of the empty tomb and the role that they play in being commissioned by the angels to be the first evangelists to share the good news of the resurrection with the apostles. We know this because Luke names most of them for us in verse 10. Look it down at verse 10 of chapter 24. He says, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. These women had apparently been following Jesus for, for quite some time. If you will look, look back at chapter 8 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, Luke tells us, Uh, Soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means." So Luke points to these women as examples of what it means to be disciples of Jesus. They had been saved by Jesus. They each had a relationship with Jesus. They knew him. They followed Jesus. And we see here, they were willing to suffer for Jesus as they sacrificially supported Jesus' ministry out of their own means, and here, as they come to Jesus' tomb, knowing that they, were, that they were guards there guarding the tomb, they were willing to be identified with Jesus, to suffer for Jesus, for they could have easily been arrested or persecuted for identifying with someone who had just been condemned and crucified by both the Jewish and the Roman authorities. So they had followed Jesus all the way to the cross, and now they were the first witnesses of the empty tomb and the first evangelists of the resurrection. And this very fact gives tremendous credibility for us to the, the reliability of the biblical account of the resurrection. I know I've mentioned this before, but but if this was all made up, if this really was all a legend that the early church fathers or the apostles had invented in order to begin uh, some new religious movement, then they would have never had women as the first witnesses to the resurrection. At that time in in Israel, women were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. The testimony uh, of a witness who happened to be a female was inadmissible in the courts. Uh, If if, if a writer would want to make, make the best possible case Uh, The best possible argument for Jesus' resurrection to be believed by first century readers, what certainly would not have been the best plan for him to have women be the first and primary witnesses to the resurrection. You know, maybe just just leave that part out of the story. Uh, But of course, Luke mentions it, he includes it because his main concern is not to sound convincing. His main concern is is to provide his readers with an accurate and orderly account so that they might have certainty about the things they have been taught. In the first century, the only reason why you would give such a prominent position to women in a historical account would be because it is true. Because it actually happened that way. And friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. True. We can be assured of this. In reality, uh, it did happen, just as Luke reports it for us. And if it is true, well, then that means Jesus is alive. He is Lord, and he will come again to reign as king and to judge the living and the dead. And if he is alive, then we will have to deal with him We will have to face him. So what will we do with Jesus? Our last last observation here is that our hope in the word of Christ is well-founded. Our hope in the word of Christ is well-founded. This is verses 4 through 9 of chapter 24. Now what we know about uh, the women and the 11 apostles is that they were not expecting Jesus to rise again. This was a shocking surprise to all of them. The women were going to the tomb, not so they could be the first ones to see Jesus risen again, but in order to care for his deceased body. The disciples were were still hiding in fear of the authorities, and they did not believe it when the women first told them that Jesus had risen. Luke says in verse 11, These words seemed to them an idle tale. But there was one who responded to the women's report in a different way. That was Peter. We see that in verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The last time Luke had Peter as a subject in the narrative was immediately after he had denied knowing Jesus three times in the courtyard and Jesus had turned and looked right at him and once Peter saw Jesus looking at him, he was overcome with guilt and shame and he ran out of the courtyard and wept bitterly. And now here he is again and he was together with the other apostles and he hears the news of the empty tomb from the women and that the angels had told them Jesus was alive and he gets up and he, he ran to the tomb to see for himself. It wasn't an idle tale to, to, to Peter. He wanted to see Jesus alive again. He went looking for him. He wanted to believe. And this takes us back to what the angels said to the women at the tomb. Think about it. The big question in that moment for the women was what? What? Where is he? Where is he? We, we went, we came to the tomb to find his body, to care for his body, and it's gone. Where is he? The tomb's empty. So the question on their minds is, where is he? It'd be the same for us. And so then they meet these two men at the tomb, whom we know from the other gospel accounts are angels, And they, of course, asked the famous question, uh, why do you seek the living among the dead? We know you seek him. You're seeking a dead dead Jesus. He's not dead. Why are you seeking the living Jesus among, among the tombs? He's not here but has risen. And then to confirm that what they were saying was true, what did the angels do? Now, we would expect that the angels would, would confirm their amazing claim by, by telling the, the women where he was, right? He's not here. He has risen. Okay, well then, where is he? We want to see him. I mean, if the angels wanted them to really believe something as unbelievable as a resurrection, wouldn't you think the best way to prove to them that Jesus is alive would be by telling them where he was so they could go see him? Go see him for themselves. Wouldn't that confirm that they were telling the truth about the resurrection? Wouldn't that convince the disciples if the women could have told them where Jesus was so they could go and see for themselves as well? But they don't do that. They don't tell the women where Jesus is. But what do they tell them instead? What do they do to confirm That Jesus really had risen from the dead. Well, they say in verse 6 Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Instead of telling the women where Jesus was so they could see him with their own eyes, and believe for themselves, they reminded the women of what Jesus said. They pointed them back to Jesus' word, to what Jesus had promised, to what Luke re- records for us back in chapter 9, verses 22 and verse, 20, uh, verse 44, when he was in Galilee and, and said this very thing to the disciples, to those who were who following him. The angels were saying, because he said it would happen, then it certainly was going to happen. He said it must happen, so certainly it would happen. It it is what his word said would take place, and now it has. So brothers and sisters, do you have such confidence in the word of Christ? Do you take his word as seriously as the angels were taking it here? Do we have such certainty in the word of Christ. In Second Peter, the Apostle Peter, um, the one who heard the, the testimony of the women and ran to the tomb to see if he could find Jesus for himself, he said this amazing statement about the written word of the Scriptures, the written word of the Bible. He mentioned to, to the believers he was writing to there uh, in Second Peter that he was one of the very privileged few disciples who was on the mountain with Jesus When Jesus was transfigured before them, he and James and John saw the glory of the Son of God revealed on that mountain. And they heard with their ears the very voice of God the Father speak to them from heaven, saying, This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I mean, what an incredible privilege Peter had to be an eyewitness, to see for himself the glory of Jesus revealed, and to hear God speak through the clouds testifying Jesus really was his son. I mean, it's it's what we would all love to have happen right here, right now, to have God speak to us through the clouds to see his glory revealed, to say for certain that we know for sure. But then Peter says something surprising. He says in 2 Peter 1, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. Or as the New American Standard has it, the prophetic word made more sure. He's talking about the the scriptures, the written word. It says, having the written word of God is even more sure, more fully confirmed than being able to see with our eyes or hear God's voice coming out of the sky. Our hope is not simply in what someone else saw. It is in what Jesus himself has said. That's what the angels were pointing to when they confirmed that Jesus had indeed risen. Remember how he told you, they said? And then in verse eight, they says, And uh, it says, the women remembered his words. They remembered the words of Jesus. And that is when faith, faith in the resurrection came into their hearts. That is when they believed. Now, I'm I'm sure you know there is a classic hymn. uh, You may not know who was written by, A.H. Ackley. um, But I'm sure that you've sung this hymn before. It's a favorite of many usually sung around Easter, and it goes like this. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. And then comes the refrain of the hymn, which then closes with these lines. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart You ask me how I know he lives. He lives, which is a little bit too high for some of us. (laughs) He lives within my heart. And I wonder, have you ever sung that hymn and then thought about what an unbeliever might say in response? You know he lives because he lives within your heart? Are you really just basing your belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which the Bible says that the whole gospel depends upon? Are you really just basing it upon a subjective feeling that Jesus lives within your heart? I mean, we all hear people say all the time about loved ones who have died that they still live. They live within our hearts. They're living on within our hearts. Is that really what you're basing your faith on? So so friends, no one is going to come to faith in Christ because we tell them Jesus lives in our hearts. And what happens when we are going through a tragically difficult experience and we lose the feeling of the peace of Christ, his presence within us, We all of a sudden don't know if he lives in our hearts. What will we depend upon then? Is our faith really just based on a feeling? Well, here again, the words of the angels in 6 through 8, of chapter 24. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Our faith is not anchored by our feelings. It is not even anchored by our sight, what we can see. It is anchored by the word of Jesus, not by the intensity of our feelings. One of these mornings, maybe it will happen when I am out for my run with the rising sun at my back shining on the Stanton Cemetery. One of these mornings, I may see those who are dead in Christ rise up out of the ground in order to join the Lord in the air as he comes. On that day, For each of those brothers and sisters who rise up to meet the Lord in the air, it will not be because they had a feeling in their heart that Jesus was alive just before they died. It will be because they died believing that Jesus said in his word that truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come in a judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus' word. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Brothers and sisters, make sure your hope is founded in his written word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you praise and honor and glory for you raised your son from the dead. And we know he is alive because that's what his word says. So Lord, help us. Help us to continue to live by faith in his word, not by what our eyes see, not by what even our ears May hear, but Father, help us to see and know and understand your word. And our hope is in you, founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.